taken us to the limits of low-tark innovation. Until today. The challenge? To create the cigarette of the 90s. The vision? To provide our consumers with a cleaner way to smoke. The goal? To continue a long tradition of technological leadership. Pioneering new horizons in cigarette design. Responding to an ever-changing consumer environment. The commitment? Five years and hundreds of millions of dollars in research and development. Unprecedented marketing, advertising, and sales support. Dedicated members of the RJR family. All working together to make the vision a reality. The promise build a bold new future for R.J. Reynolds Tobacco. The result? The most powerful new sales opportunity of its kind. Ladies and gentlemen, you stand at the threshold of a new era in smoking enjoyment. Camel Cigarettes. Uh, good morning. You're listening to the Horror Business Podcast. My name is Thomas. And um, this morning, I had a long one, I promised. Let's see, I gotta go back real quick. <clears throat> All the skeletons under snow, and the one above to tread so light and walk among, and the cigarette vertigo. And the morning procession comes and goes, and came and went, the seasons too, but someone was wearing black, and the trees to health and wither, as the weather, and leaves are trampled underfoot. Meeting grandfather and uncle again. The rain continued as it did, its white noise over the silence. The rolling green grass became thickened with trees, and road underneath sounded as the rain, till the gravel drive and drizzle seemed so in unison. There were large buildings to the right. An older gentleman was outside on the porch smoking a pipe. Not clean-shaven, but not beardy. Black attire and a pair of boots. Hair was long, but well-combed. As the flicker rayed through the trees, was rounding, they parked in front, by the porch, and finally, the lawyer spoke. This young man is your grandfather. Let's see him then, I said. We exited the vehicle and the rain had ceased, but the sky seemed black. The porch was only a quick hello, for the wind seemed chilling. My grandfather took his pipe from his teeth and opened the door and let us in. And merely said, inside, inside, only a few times. The fire was raging behind a large wooden desk. He tapped the pipe in the pipe tray and sat. There, my boy, and gave me a hug and showed me to a seat. Told the other gentleman to have one as well. A drink was also offered, and the lawyer obliged, handing over files. He had said, belonged to me and he set them aside his pipe wheel. The other one, however, exclaimed, and needs a read-through and a signature. 
I can stay if you have any questions or we can save it for another time. My grandfather sat at the top of some other things and said, can I call on you after I've reviewed them? Yes, it's quite all right. He finished his glass and retrieved his personal effects and my grandfather showed him to the door. The sky was still cloudy and looked as though it could pour at any minute. My grandfather assured me to stay and I resumed my chair as it was rather cold and he had shoved the gentleman to his car that was outside. I could hear the slight chatter over the crackling and the fire that was in its place. Shadows dancing all over the room, slightly lighter and horrifying. I felt colder, though the fire was raging. It wasn't all that warm. The front door shut, and it seemed warm again. Grandpa walking closer, his reflection shining through the warming painting that was hung on the wall <clears throat> in front of the hall as entering the office. The shadows slowing their dances as to match the fire scintillating everything around its darkness. He poured another round and offered me a small glass, but merely set it in front of myself and merely said that was for me. He sat again. I'll show you to the quarters in the back of the church, but there is a secret you must know. I am sick. I am ill. It may be because of the caretaker's curse, or perhaps the dabbling against even the caretaker's beliefs and hopes of saving him. Pray one day God may perhaps forgive me. I, however, loved him, but the church was a church. <clears throat> When the old caretaker before us was a religious man, however, most caretakers weren't. But when my brother came upon the typewriter, strange events took place. Here and explained, and one day my brother was gone. The typewriter was deemed possessed. The antique shop was gone, completely empty, and there wasn't another one for hundreds of miles. And he said it was here, I asked a few folks in the town that only knew for service and inquired perhaps there was one. Some said not for a few years, maybe four. Been a sale or some say it was haunted. Nobody knows. Nobody bought it. At that time, young man, it had only seemed a few months. We had only recently arrived and we were not forced to church. How godly values, morals, and standards were instilled as well as a healthy fear of who God is. However, one morning we were up till 1 a.m. digging a grave for after service, and we never worked on Sundays unless we had to fill a grave. And even then we were allowed not to nip on a weekend job, as long as it wasn't in excess. Well, one morning, he, me and my brother, was up already, briefly mentioned, something to the effect of taking a walk into town. I'll be back, as he noticed, the last few stragglers creeping to church. I watched him slink off. I decided to pray, and I got ready. Two smokes deep with coffee, all black everything, and I decided upon my own walk. There was a path along the cemetery, and it led to a bridge. From there over a creek and into the woods. I had a bit of whiskey and a few cigarettes, and there was a nice spot by the creek I liked. 
I decided to wait, and if he didn't return, I'd work alone, for there was much important. Till I got weird, and even more strange than it originally all seemed. I will personally tell you I gave up on him. It damages too much being able to live with them on the other side, spend so much time there. Perhaps that's why I'm dying. Now the secrets you must never tell anyone. To control it myself, I leaned. But won't have the sin of teaching you or the evil to blame me. Perhaps I'll teach you what I need to. The experience, I'll be there for you. But I'm too old. But as the caretaker showed me, I'll get that. Show you to the living quarters. And if I do die in this place, it'll be left to you. Just like they left their place to you. However, while you're here, till the property is yours then. You will work, and I will trust you. The cold afternoon sun was setting. Leaves were scattered all over the courtyard. The round gravel drive with its empty flagpole beneath the dodgy sky. The deepest orange and purple beneath the dark clouds. The rain stopped. I didn't know however much time had actually passed. It seemed late. Morning tea when I had arrived. My grandpa's black attire seemed to strike his shadow just the same, which seemed to make him twice as tall. It was rather eerie. When the evening sun silhouetted everything, we approached the old barn with a lorry, and he spoke. The old barn is where I keep coffins, headstones, tools, the yard rake, the trailer, the lorry. I'll explain more detail in the morning. You can see what I do, and after you're seated, I'd rather you stick to the business we discussed this evening. I'm just too old for it now. You can help with other things as you wish. However, the horror business takes its toll. But what a joy it is to save a lost soul. You'll see in due time as you begin to work here, strange things are not as so uncommon as they seem. As we walked along a brick wallway, the fork off after the barn, trees arching overhead, like a little path of a tunnel of trees, a few branches along its side, toward the end of the church came into focus. And as it did, he spoke again. There, sir, is your living quarters. In the office, the old wood door creaked open. There was a small bed against the wall, the end table and a dresser, solid wood with black stained, seemed to bear its own shadow, where the light seemed the only shade. The closet was against the opposite the bed, next to a large mirror. Through the hallway was a small set of steps under an arched ceiling that led to a large collection of filing cabinets. He spoke. We'll get to that, lad. Adjacent to the small living quarters was a black table with a set of chairs, a decent fridge, a sink, a small collection of cookery tools, pots, pans, what have you. <clears throat> the window out looked over almost the entire cemetery. It's lovely at the risings and the sets, he said. 
when the light shimmered through the trees. He left it at that, began helping me with things, and personal effects, shirts, pants. Put a few of my books and a note on the end table with a few things left over were separated into drawers. There was a wash bowl on top of the dresser, and the duffel bag was thrown on the floor and in the closet. Showed me how to use the percolator on the stove and retrieved a bottle of whiskey from the freezer. And we sat for a minute. And he said, before we go in there, I'll tell you all this for free. But you can leave as you wish. I won't make you stay. I was given a key by the lawyer to hold for you. So any time you wish, if it isn't your cup of tea, but take this time to relax. Would you like a cigarette or a pipe full? They tend the wheels in the study. I was going to fetch a pipe full and a cigarette. A cigarette would be fine, if you wouldn't mind, sir. He rounded by the fridge and down the stairs into the study. So, I know it's not a church, I exclaimed. However, I do love what you've done with the place. I do have to ask a question, Grandpa. Ask, he said. What's the use with all the filing cabinets? Everyone that's ever been ashed or buried with us here in this cemetery each has a story of how they died. It's part of the curse. Tonight's your night. I'm dying, and I feel one more barrier ashing will take whatever left of me. That typewriter on the desk with the pipe wheel, Dr. Wilkes was killed in an automobile accident just a ways out from here, near the country. The blank space on the bottom states that typewriter will type the rest. Anything unrelated to any case, unless it's suicide, must be reported. Authorities usually don't come around. Spirits get testy. At any rate, you see it far differently in the victim's shoes. We live it so they can pass on. And if God should choose to make them stay here, here is home. Kindness is key, I think. But yes, sit opposite side of the desk was two chairs and a table. Most furnishings of the place were black. He lit a pipe full and poured us both a drink. There was a glass case of cigarettes, and I partook as he spoke. The room will go black. I can't say what may or may not happen. I never got to watch myself. I usually come to on the floor in my own blood, or if it's not so suitable of a death, I can usually wake up in the chair. I'll be here watching a few times. I've wakened in my own bed, perhaps, the spirits to thank. I'm unsure still. The light haze began to fill, and there was a deathly silence as we both smoked away. I can tell there was something else. However, the silence grew, only matching the drab black color of everything, and the clouds that pooled from his mouth and his pipes seemed to spell the first few letters as he sat. My uncle lost in Ireland, just south of Cork. Buried bodies was a family trait, I suppose. Severing heads was completely or not was the worry of the damned returning 
whether people helped body snatchers secretly or not, was less the church infiltration. Nuts, morons, I haven't figured it out. There was a cemetery just like this one, ran by an old father who was sent to live out his days in a haunted church. No one attended due to an IRA war and an unpeaceful violence. Some say he was a stickler, some say he was strict. Held to his own op- often, opposed to most, and was sent in hopes the legends of the ghosts would kill the owners. Were true, perhaps my brother saved us all. At any rate, the rumors were true, but the work was nonstop. So often hired hands were orphan kids, and that's where me and my brother came in. Wage was small to nothing but food and shelter most times, but that was enough. And despite even what we heard from the street ollies, the father was wonderful for company. Even before we became acquainted, weird, strange things occurred whenever he was around. Being there made him even more strange. We would pray and we'd pray. The father taught us holy things. He drank and he smoked. Not so often, but on occasion. We'd yell in broken Gaelic and we'd get our ears slapped back. However, almost was never. Makes you really wonder why they hated him. At any rate, there was another of his kind that would appear on occasion. And one evening after dinner and after prayers, he had business north in Dublin. And we were to clean the church after our prayers and give him the day off. We were given a pound apiece, which never happened. The white in my brother's eyes is still something I remember to this day. It even made the father smile. He saw what I saw. The look he gave me was even like he knew. The morning we both rose, and it was black docks, black trousers, black button-ups. Had no collar, for the only holiness we were allowed to have is what little God saw. And the father put it to me one evening when I was crying over a lost loved one. We are as the dead already. And as we pray for them, let us hope that they pray for us. And maybe God will see. And maybe God will hear. I never forgot that moment. And the reason I share that with you is it's prominent. That afternoon, my brother went out and I stayed. And I insisted. I always felt the spirits watching. Perhaps they would tell the father if we were out of line. I don't know. But even the father never liked to leave the cemetery or the church unattended. There were a few burials already in motion. The boxes were built. The humans parted. I believe a gentleman from the hospital was coming through tomorrow. So I figured I could work. I dug and dug and prayed and dug some more watching the gates for any sign of my brother. Church basement was a way off. Sky was gray, the light drizzle, and the lush grass. One of the old boat channels that ran through the cemetery. Sometimes in the afternoon, I'd sit on its brick. There was a boatman cottage with a draw. Just on the other side, I'd frequent his place sometimes on a stroll. Never knew he was there till one evening I was here, and I caught him strolling in the cemetery, and as the father would, I asked him of his business. And being 
only older than a child, I was taken in good in jest. But on this particular afternoon, the boat was gone, and the cottage was dark, and the draw was up. I sat by the canal reading a book I found from the father's study, something with God's dealings in us and human frailty in some regards of spiritual laws over morals. There was a lot in it I didn't really gather. My mind was more on work. I remember looking up just for a while and there was just the slightest shade of blue and it grew through a place in the trees and rolled along the clouds of gray. And just past the entry gates was a tall figure waving that seemed to leave like the sliver of blue. And along the gravel now was my brother carrying a rather large box. My grandpa setting his pipe down, taking a sip of whiskey, stared at me in silence. And this is what started it all. That's it this morning for the Horror Business Podcast. Um, I'm going to continue writing everything out in script. Uh, I think that was... I think that was better. I really do. I think that was a lot better. Um, Love and blessings, always. Um, I hope you guys have a great day. And I just want to give another shout-out to R.J. Reynolds, the tobacco company. And I want to give another shout-out to Slamerican Media. And let's see. Creekwater Whiskey, Jack Daniels, Harley-Davidson, and uh, one of the things is Breaker Radio. So everybody out there driving trucks, I hope you guys have a great day. Everybody get to work safe and happy Halloween. This is to Thomas with the Horror Business Podcast.